there's lots of opportunity to talk about the the virtues of Kanmari when I'm in these circles, which has been great when areas of your life overlap. But our other circle hosts, you know, they'll bring examples of other leaders talking about these virtues. So it's not just Ben Franklin who thought that these were virtues, but there's um, people, you know, leaders and philosophers from all across time who, who said these things. And so when you hear the same things over and over and over as being key to living a good life, it's, you know, it's time to pay attention. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Our guest today is Patty Morrissey. Patty is a fellow KonMari consultant who is based in Long Island, New York. Like us, she was part of the very first wave of KonMari consultants to be trained and is now certified. Patty is dedicating, dedicated to helping people throughout her dynamic career as a nanny, social worker, college student affairs administrator, corporate social responsibility manager, nonprofit director, and entrepreneur. She is a lifestyle and organization consultant who believes our home should spark joy and that our own definition of success is the only one that matters. She enjoys helping stressed out modern moms reclaim calm by decluttering and organizing their spaces and schedules. Welcome to Spark Joy, Patty. Welcome, Patty. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. When we have uh, consultants on, we always like to start by just kind of taking that moment of reflection. So do you remember the first time you were introduced to Kunmari or kind of what, how you started down this path into moving forward to become a consultant? Yeah, I do. So I had read about the Kunmari method, probably through a New York Times article, not, not exactly sure. And I knew that it was going to be for me because of her Marie Kondo's focus on vision. I've been doing vision boards for many years, hosting vision board parties at my home. And I just saw instantly how applying that, that ideology to your home could work. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't read the book though. And I, uh, had an, had an app from my library and it, it was like the, the book became available just when I needed it. So the download, mm-hmm. you know, it was free to download. And I, I did so and instantly started listening to it on my way to work. I had a, a long commute. Um, I was on a train four hours a day going into the city uh, for my job wow. at a nonprofit. And the, you know, the book was exactly what I needed to read. And I started the, the method in my home and ultimately ended up um, leaving that, that position um, and pursuing becoming a, an, you know, a tidying consultant. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we have similar experiences as well. So it's almost like Kanmari found us instead of us finding it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned vision board being a particular aspect of Kanmari that really resonated with you and emphasized some practices that you had already built into your life. Um, Is there any other categories that significantly impacted you throughout the process or made you even particularly uncomfortable while you were going through the process? 
Um, interesting. That's a, that's a great question. You know, asking about discomfort because, you know, personal growth does require some element of discomfort. See, organizing and tidying has always been my happy place. It's where I've, you know, when you think about when you have free time, what do you tend to do? And when you're thinking about vocation, those are natural questions to ask, you know, what do you like to do in your free time? It's like organize, move things around, (laughs) rearrange constantly. Um, But the book really helped me go deeper with that and realize some of the the patterns I was using organizing perhaps as an escape and not as this intentional uh, tool to live a better life. And so one of the things that I found when I was done tidying was this void Mm. of now what? It wasn't an instantaneous, like, now I'm going to live the life of my dreams. It was, I have space. And what am I going to do with that space? And how am I going to be intentional this time and not fill it with things that, um, you know, that are kind of empty calories? Yeah. You know, busyness, internet addiction, shopping, (laughs) complaining, blaming, you know, all those negative things um, that a lot of us have as crutches that fit that fill our time. So dealing with that empty space was, was, and is, I will say is still, um, kind of a work in progress for me. Uh, but I did have some categories that were, that I never really managed well before Kanmari came into my life. And one of them is paper. My life is completely different related to paper. I finally got my hands on the paper and just let go of, almost all of it. And so now my, uh, my paper storage is, you know, a nice mm-hmm. little tidy binder and it's great. And it's helped me face a lot of things, you know, cause papers really represent, uh, undone mm-hmm. tasks. And so it's just helped me be more successful in all of those areas where paper impacts you. And that's usually things like, you know, finances, health, um, you know, learning and, and, um, and dealing with some of, you know, the kind of baggage, the emotional baggage that comes with the sentimental papers that you have. Um, one of the fun things that I did when I was doing papers was I let go of some things that people thought maybe I should hold on to. I even had a professional organizer friend say like, no, I can't believe you're going to throw out your journal. But it was, it was really great to be able to say like, I am, this wasn't a joy sparking time of my life and I'm going to let go with confidence um, of this. It's not something that I feel I want to share with my daughter. One day, a lot of people were like, well, your daughter might want to read. I'm like, I, that's something we want to share with my daughter. But there were, there were um, reflection papers that I certainly did keep that are things that don't necessarily match up to, you know, perfect. I wasn't living perfectly at that time. They definitely represented some challenges that I will be happy to share about. And, but one of my friends suggested, um, saving some papers for, to do a story through the mortified podcast. Storytelling is like joy sparking for me. So to kind of dig those out as inspiration to get on stage and share embarrassing stories about myself, um, as an act of courage of of some embarrassing, embarrassing things that I wrote about. And when you were speaking about looking at some of those journals, um, I, I think I remember the same experience as like, oh, these are so important. And then actually reading what I had written when I was, you know, 20 and 25. And it's like, you know, I really don't ever want to see this again. So it, it's interesting. Also, I think that for me, I see bravery and boldness in my clients that I don't have in myself. I, I also have been, are you sure you want to let go of this? 
um, it is always so interesting to me to see how with experience our clients can become even bolder about letting things go like that. I, I love that you brought that up because my clients inspire me every day. I, and I really don't like the the storyline that's out there that, you know, people who are seeking tidying services are somehow deficient. Um, that's something that I'm trying, you know, to correct in, in how I talk about the work I do with people. You know, I, I have the privilege to work with clients who are out there doing great things for the world. And often, you know, the kind of symptom of clutter um, is just a result of how they're they're prioritizing their, their time in some other way. And, you know, I have these sessions and I always, it's not that infrequent where I come back and I'm like, Oh, let me revisit that category because that, (sighs) you know, that client inspired me to like have more courage exactly to let go or to face something that maybe I haven't been facing myself. Yeah, no, no, I completely, I completely agree. I am always inspired by what clients are brave enough to do. And sometimes in spite of, of a lot of really um, hard pulls to not do certain things. So yeah, it's really, it's really gratifying. But one of the things that I notice about actually all three of us is that we come from corporate backgrounds. And one mm. of the things that, that, that is really amazing about the work that you do, Patty, is that you use some analytical measurement tools that many of us may be familiar with in our corporate lives um, to shape the way that you define your success and joy in your life today. Um, And many of us know the term key performance indicators, and it brings kind of a shudder to me to think about those because I remember those from my corporate life. But how are you using that today in your work? Um, And how are you applying those to how you're defining your work and your success in your business today. Yeah, so that that, that did come out of my experience working at, um, you know, in, in two business like settings. One was a a publicly traded company, and one was a a nonprofit. But you know, what was going down for me was at, at these two organizations was just a ruthless focus on these. KPIs, these key performance indicators, go, go, go. Um, the staff of these organizations was, uh, they, they, they were very young, um, kind of in a position to really give themselves over completely to the objectives of the business. Uh, for me, I didn't feel like with a, you know, with a young child at home that it could, I could afford to do that without kind of losing something important. And so I had this realization that I could work 24 hours a day and not hit these KPIs. You know, they're, they're, they're set intentionally aggressive so that people work hard to, in, in a frenzied attempt to mm-hmm. try to pursue them. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I had to decide, well, I, I can't possibly work 24 hours a day. So where do I draw the line? Do I draw the line at 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day? You know, do I draw the line at, you know, achieving my objectives 75% of the way? How do I know when I'm I'm done for the day and I can go home and turn it off? And so at the time I was that I was asking these questions about what was going on at work, I was engaged in something called the Ben Franklin circle. And what Ben Franklin modeled for me is 
having a measurement, uh, around the virtues. So I was in this, you know, corporate setting where they're tracking everything, tracking success, you know, measuring what matters, all these buzzwords. And then over here talking about virtues, but I wasn't talking about virtues and purpose and living a good life in vague terms. It was how are you, you know, in trackable, measurable terms. So Ben Franklin, when he would set, um, his objectives around, these 13 virtues that he deemed key for living a good life, things like temperance and humility and sincerity and justice. He wouldn't just say, I'm going to be more virtuous generally. He would monitor every single day um, and he would carry around a little notebook um, and track with almost like a bullet journal um, how well he adhered to those virtues um, based on you know, the commitment that he had defined at the time. And so I'm like, well, what can I track? And so I stepped back and I wrote, well, what really matters to me? And I identified my life KPIs um, as things like meals with my family, visits with friends, walks in nature, dates with my husband, new experiences. And I started to track them. And it was incredibly eye-opening. So the, the company that I was in, um, every week we would share a, a, uh, a success and a failure at the, at, the com- at the staff meeting. And the failures that people would share are very like humble braggy, like, oh, I worked so hard. I couldn't go to the gym this week. I better you know, work on that next time. You know, things that made them look ambitious. Um, and I shared... And it was the first time I said it out loud, like that I had been doing this experiment with myself and that I had zero meals with my family in the course of the week that I had Mm. been tracking. And I just started crying in front of 80 people. Um, And I, it was, it was really eye opening. And so from that point on, I realized it was not my employer's responsibility to make sure I was living my best life. It was my responsibility. And so I started to set some boundaries around that and making sure that no matter what was going on at work and how important whatever we were working on at that time, um, that I was going to make sure I had some semblance of balance by also addressing these other things. And so ultimately, um, I was actually fired from that job um, But what was amazing was that I got to go through that experience that I think a lot of people might observe as being um, negative or shameful or, you know, extremely stressful and difficult um, through a positive lens because I had a system for tracking success. And so the life KPIs help keep me in check and make sure that I'm actually pursuing the things that matter to me and not matter to, you know, the things that I've been kind of brainwashed on that I should care about, like prestige and money. Um, so I, I view opportunities now that come my way through this lens of how does this give me more of what I want, which is, which is time and um, time for myself, time for my family, time for my friends. Um, and, you know, is it a growing opportunity? Does it give me a new experience? And and can I check those boxes? And how many of those boxes um, can I check with with each action that I want to want to take? So that's what Life KPIs is all about. Um, some of the things that 
you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't have time for this. Like I decided to become a soccer coach, a volunteer soccer coach. And sometimes I ask myself like, do I have time, yeah. do I have time for this really? But it checks a lot of boxes. You know, it's, it was a new, it's a new experience. It helps me with my health and wellness KPIs. It helps me with my quality time KPIs um, with my daughter. It helps me build relationships with um, people in the community. So it, it, it actually is really great. So for time that um, I would already be spending kind of standing on the sideline as a, as a regular parent on the field, putting in a little extra time each week to send a few emails and, and organize, um, the schedules and whatnot is worth it because it gives me all this additional output. So that's so interesting. It sounds like that's such a great real life example of how you're applying that. And what I keep hearing when you're talking about how you're evaluating your decisions is that you're really, it's really coming full circle back to you. Does this decision spark joy with this opportunity spark joy? Um, And you've come up with a really interesting um, measurable way to look at those things. Yeah, exactly. Patty, you're making me want to write them all down right now. <laughs> all my new new life success metrics. <laughs> so for, I guess, our listeners out there who may be interested in doing the same, where where would we even begin if we wanted to create our own KPIs? Well, I have a, I, I wrote a little bit more about this in uh, on Medium. So that's one place to start. But it's really, you know, just back of the napkin, you know, wh- what matters to you? Um, and sometimes I think we, you know, focus too much on like what should matter to us. And we try to research like, you know, what, what lives to a good life. We know, but what I think has been crucial for me is I went through the KonMari process while I was engaged in a Ben Franklin circle. So every single month I'm meeting with a group of people. My current circle is a little bit smaller. It has five people in it. My first circle that I was in had um, had about ten people in it, and so every month we're getting together and we're talking about what's going on in our lives. We're talking about the things that matter to us, um, and very quickly people kind of shed their their mask of who they present themselves to be in the world. You know, the first circle that I was in was kind of a had more of a professional flavor to it. Um, and very quickly we became intimate and vulnerable with sharing, you know, the real story of what, of what was going on. Um, so you're in that space and everyone was accepting of how others had sort of interpreted the virtues, interpreted, you know, their, their life KPIs. Um, and we were all rooting for each other, but not on our projected terms, but on, you know, for you Mm -hmm, on your mm -hmm. terms. Um, and so, you know, being in that, in that first group where everyone was, you know, a mover and shaker in their, in the field, you know, a lot of people who were doing very cool stuff, um, with philanthropy and impact work, innovation work. Um, I had started that experience as my job title was head of social innovation for, for, for a company. And, you know, I walked out of that group as a tidying consultant. I'm like, I'm going to go fold underwear for a living guys. And it was a humbling, it was a humbling experiences, but they were all so excited for me. Um, because, you know, because I had so clearly expressed what was important to me and what mattered to me. 
Yeah, you've got me thinking over here for sure. <laughs> can you, can you remind us about those virtues that you mentioned? I mean, they were established over 300 years ago by yeah. Benjamin Franklin, so it's amazing that they are now relevant today in modern day life. And so, if we could review some of them um, and how you're you're marrying this whole idea of living by these virtues, right? So, so the magic of the Ben Franklin circle is the um is the observation of the the daily review and the the virtues themselves like it's amazing how relevant they actually still are so the the virtues I'll, I can read off the list there's temperance uh, silence order resolution frugality industry sincerity justice, moderation, cleanliness, chastity, tranquility, and humility. And so very much like the KonMari method where there's an order um, where you build up um, on, you know, you start with the easier ones and you build up to the more challenging ones. You know, temperance is a good one for people to start with because it's, you know, we all can identify some things that we need to be um more temperate about. So the definition as Ben Franklin defined, it was eat not to dullness and drink not to elevation. But in modern day, you know, a lot of people, when they're talking about temperance, they talk about um, tempering their phone use. Mm -hmm, So there's a lot of commitments that come out of those discussions on, I'm not going to have my phone in bed with me. I'm going to limit how much I use Facebook. I'm going to delete this app. Uh, A lot of, uh, a lot of Ben Franklin circles when they're talking about temperance focus on, on digital and there's a lot of overlap with KonMari. So some of the virtues you can see are order. Ben Franklin, I de- uh, defined order as let all your things have their places. Let each part of your business have its mm-hmm. time. And so, yeah, we can have a you know a two to five hour conversation on on order, uh, making those commitments. And you know some of the commitments that come out of that related to order are how people organize. Um, organize their time because Ben Franklin mentions time, um, and, and stuff, you know, where you're placing things in your house. Cleanliness is one of the virtues. And it's interesting to think about cleanliness. You know, what did cleanliness mean 300 years ago? What does it mean today? Are we too clean today? Um, are we not clean enough? So he defined cleanliness as tolerate no uncleanliness in body clothes or habitation. Hmm. Um, tranquility is re- sure. definitely related to the KonMari method. Be not disturbed at trifles or accidents common or unavoidable. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really, they tie, the practices tie in, in very well, um, with one another. There's lots of opportunity to talk about the, the virtues of KonMari when I'm, when I'm in these circles, which has, um, been great when areas of your life overlap. Uh, but our other circle hosts, you know, they'll bring examples of other leaders talking about these virtues. So it's not just Ben Franklin who thought that these were virtues, but there's, um, people, you know, leaders and philosophers from all across time who, who said these things. And so when you hear the same things over and over and over as being key to living a good life, it's, you know, it's time to pay attention. One of the things that sounds so interesting to me about this is that there's, um, it sounds as though within the circles, there's just a natural curiosity about each other's lives and about, um, what, what they, what their perception is. And I, I think that a lot of times in our 
modern discourse, it's very lacking that so many of us are really focused on getting our own our own image of ourselves out to the world as quickly as possible, which is why we have now all of these different mechanisms for presenting. This is what's happening. To, this is what I'm eating right now. This is what this is what I'm doing right at the moment. Instead of giving any reflective thought to how we fit in as a community with each other and how these things are furthering um, what's really important to us. So it sounds as though this is really filling a need, and certainly you have identified this as being. Um, a very important part of um, your vision for yourself um, and for your life and for your work. So, I, 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 again, it just seems a, so neat to think I'm envisioning um, your group sitting around and talking about each other's lives instead of just being focused on what's going on with them as individuals. Definitely. I mean, there's there's just immediate depth to these conversations, the uh, um, circle members will report that kind of their tolerance for shallow conversation mm-hmm. after uh, experiencing, you know, what you can experience in a Ben Franklin circle, it changes um, and it makes you just more um, open to connection. Uh, we all have that need for belonging and connection. I think this, you know, people who are online a lot or um, out there in social media are also very open to these in-person um, points of connection. And we're, we don't have a lot of spaces mm-hmm. for it. I mean, people live farther away from their families than they did before. Um, people are increasingly stepping away from organized religion. And there aren't too many things that are, that are filling that void of connection. Um, and so what's, what's a person to do Um this provides a great template and format for people to um, connect and just have that that kind of social capital amongst the group. You know, some members of both of the circles that I was in experienced um, loss. They experienced divorce. They experienced job loss. They experienced um, positive things too, opportunity, new relationships. And the folks in the group said they're, you know, they're not lacking for, you know, they are, they have good friends. These aren't people who aren't capable of making friends and they have strong relationships with their families. Um, but there wasn't a space that gave them the permission to just be honest about what was going on. There's kind of this focus on positivity. How are you doing? Fine, fine. Everyone's fine. Um, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. in the, in the circle was a a place to go and, and really talk about what's going on, um, and what you're working on in an honest way. Wow. That's really powerful. So it sounds like, has this, have you already seen like the impact of KPIs and your relationship within the Ben Franklin circle in your own life? Um, or do you, I, I'm assuming you now have more meals with your family, hopefully, than, than you did before now that you have let go of your corporate f- profession and moved forward to sparking more joy in your career? Yeah. What's what's really funny is, um, yeah, I, immediately, immediately up and to the right, you know? Wow. And so it's Great. having the courage to let go of someone else might not be able to look at my situation and, and see success or see what they want to see because they're rooting for me, you know, good friends and family, right? It's like, Oh, 
you, uh, you're like totally, you're not, you're just walking away from your career. What are you doing? You know, that's what's kind of going on in their minds. <laughs> you know, you're going to, you're going to like organize people's houses for a living and like <laughs> deal with trash and underpants. And, you know, you're like, are you a maid now? What's going on? Um, and just brushing that off and moving forward. Um, that's where the power of the group comes in and having a you know, a few people who know what you're up to and are rooting for you because they know how you're measuring success, but you can't rely on the other people. You have to really, you have to start with yourself and just having that gusto of, I know that this is important to me and I'm going to move forward. So yes, like, I mean, immediately. Um, and then you start to pursue business opportunities that achieve those things. So, um, I started, a. um, a a thing with a friend called spirit walks. Um, it was actually uh, something that we imported from her home turf from the Netherlands. And so here I am KPI spending time with friends, walking in nature, check. Um, it's, it's a good channel for meeting new clients check. So it's checking all these boxes. Um, but it's getting Mm -hmm. me out in the woods more. It's getting me healthier. It's getting me more time with, it's getting me all the things that I want. So yeah, I, I still continue to see all of those life KPIs go up into the right. And wow, that's, that sounds like an amazing tool for any busy mom to, to use, to make sure that you're reclaiming your me time. Right. Mm -hmm. And also making sure you're taking care of your family. So do you have any tips for for busy moms, either regarding KonMari or organization or just living life? It's just, you know, really recognize how much you actually have to do and realizing that it's impossible for you to do it all. That's a great exercise for family um, to do together. My husband and I did it and we, we actually, we used note cards. Um, so we wrote all these tasks on note cards and as my stuff started picking up some more and his job changed a little bit. It was just a good, you know, we were kind of going through a transition, a good time to revisit who was, who was responsible for what, Mm -hmm. um, and what we were going to delegate. And he does all of the cooking and all of the shopping, which I am incredibly grateful for. Um, but those are very visible household tasks where I, I do some things that are a little more hidden, like, um, figuring out schedules, figuring, I manage all of our finances. Um, and so you can't see that as much as like, you know, food on the table every night. So we listed out our responsibilities and he goes, Oh, you have a lot more cards than I have. I was like, (laughs) yeah. And he's like, well, I guess I should, I should take some of those from you. I was like, that would be great. So he took, um, he took uh, vacation planning and date planning off my plate, which which has been really nice. So he uh, he planned some sm- some adventures for us, which has been really good for our relationship and uh, a weight off of my shoulders in terms of making sure being the one who has to plan all of those things. What it really sounds like is, and I keep coming back to this, and I've seen this so many times with my clients and also for myself, it's just getting everything down on paper, whether it's digital or not, um, is really the first step to being able to get, get a handle on our lives. And um, for me, I have what I call my brain dump, which is basically this idea that if I don't put it down on my, if I don't make a note of anything that needs to be done, no matter how small or how big, then I'm going to forget it. And I, I learned that I spent so much time trying to remember what needed to be picked up from the drugstore. And then also trying to remember 
what I need to do for a big presentation next week, that it was just, it was overwhelming and producing so much anxiety. And once I just started putting it down, getting it out of my head and onto um, some format that works for me, it made it so much easier to manage. I also have a client who uses note cards and um, she's, as far as her professional life, she's one of the most organized people I've ever known. And, and she lives by those note cards and they're, they're, um, that's how she manages everything. It's something as simple as a little three by five card. So I Mm -hmm. think that that makes so much sense. Um, It's just getting it down and then deciding how you're going to work that plan. Um, My Getting it out of your head. So David, David Allen. um, Yeah. Oh yeah. I was just, you getting things done, right? (laughs) Mm-hmm. The best. My grandfather used to say, "You have to um, plan your work and work your plan." Exactly. And in order to do that, you have to get it down on paper and see what it looks like. Karen, I was reading more about your experience and that you kind of came from a tidy family that that taught you the ropes. So my my experience was like the exact opposite. <laughs> it was like survival. <laughs> you know how you know trying to I I I made my own doctor's appointments as a child. I wow. you know, got myself um like I needed a drive the driving test so I figured that out. You know, just like uh, I I I you know there was a lot of benefit of just kind of being having a a childhood that was um unstructured in, in such a way because sure. I could pursue whatever I was interested in without any uh, kind of judgment or manipulation from my parents. Like I sh- there was no shooting on me at all as a, as a child, but it was, it was chaos. Um, so I've, I've like struggled with that, you know, I've always been ups- kind of obsessed with like, what are the hacks and, you know, flailing along. I mean, I was, I was actually on the today show 12 years ago for being messy. (laughs) Oh, that's so crazy. Wow. You know, it's not that I always wanted and like strive, you know, and I would say, I think we all kind of want order. Um, It's an, it's a natural desire. We don't want to feel like we're totally out of control. I just think we, we don't have the systems in place. So it's been just like a life of trial and error for me. And so the finding Kanmari um, has been just, so liberating as something that, you know, I feel like it finally works, but I'm, I'm a big consumer of, you know, those, those leaders out there. And I think David Mm -hmm. Allen has one of the best methods and just this idea of get it out of your head because it, it lowers the mental ram. So I tell my client Mm -hmm. that people think like I'm this type A, got it all together all the time. You know, I must, if I'm a Kanmari consultant, I'm like, no, like I, I'm like, my brain isn't that powerful <laughs> or that fast. So I need to have an organized space because I don't want to have to think about, I don't want to have to hold in my head. Like, where did I put the umbrella last time? Yes. Where did I put the headphones? Like what drawer, what bag did I leave them in? No, I have my box of electronics stuff and it's, you know, stored in the headphones section. So when I need something, I'm going to go get it. Um, it's not, it's not stored in your head. So that's, that's a big, big key. And I think, you know, David Allen even says he's not, he, he designed the system because he was struggling with organization and attention. It's not because it came naturally to him. I just think, I think the people out there that we kind of hold up as examples, um, have, they have really good systems. It's not that, you know, they're, they have all this kind of just innate organization, right. but they've been taught the habits and routines that, that 
make life work for them. That enables that to happen. Yeah. And it's funny because it's, when you speak about David Allen and there are people that came before him, I mean, none of this is like, you know, even even Marie Kondo would 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 say, she would be the first to say that none of these ideas are like so original. These are things that we've been working and refining and over over generations. And it's really just about finding what works for you and for your life and helps you to get to that place where every day feels less anxious, less stressed, and that you're achieving, you know, your goals, you're getting to your KPIs. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is new, and I think why KonMari is resonating on such a large scale, is that the cost of goods have never been so cheap. And so Mm -hmm. consumption has never been so high. So we're, we're at uh, what the CEO of Ikea or the founder of Ikea said that we're at peak peak uh, consumption. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like, and where do we go from here? You know, it it is a new problem. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why I still think we're kind of figuring out the solutions for it. And Kamari seems to be the best one for changing the habit of consumption as well. It's like the switch is changed um, where it's not just like, Oh, you know, getting You know, we're really great at, tidying solutions and organizing hacks to find a better way and a prettier way to organize all this stuff. But it's just completely changing your relationship with the stuff in the first place. But I think, I think you're just hitting the nail on the head because I think we may have a generation of discarders. This generation may be the generation that, that's, that is invested in, in, in downsizing. And we, we talk about, um, you know, our parents and our grandparents and what are we doing with all of their stuff that we don't really want. This the generations coming now, the our generation and the generations in front of us just are not looking at things and objects the same way. Mm-hmm. We may have a generation of discarders followed by hopefully and hopefully the optimistic um, slant is that we'll have a generation of of much more sophisticated, careful, conscientious consumers in the future. Um, but I completely agree. I I cannot absolutely begin to grasp the amount of things that my clients alone are discarding. And I know both of you and all of the other consultants, plus all the organizing community, is just we're we're our clients are letting go of so much stuff. It's like, where does this all go? Mm -hmm. Um, Super, super interesting. But luckily I think they are immediately, I mean, my favorite phrase that I like to hear from my clients is, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know where that was. Oh, that's where it is. Oh, I've I've been looking for that, you know, and also like, I never want to do this again. That's also the favorite. Once I hear them say that, it's usually around miscellaneous or so. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I just get so excited because it's like, okay, that's a clear, uh, you know, message that's saying that they are realizing that, okay, now I have to change my behavior Mm -hmm. moving forward. I can't fall into the trap of, you know, consuming things and everything these days is disposable or fast fashion or um, made to only last, you know, 
a certain amount of time rather than a lifetime. Um, so yeah, so it's amazing. At least, you know, it's first, like anything, we got to recognize that there is a problem for sure, but mm-hmm. now we're all doing our part to help cor- correct that. So right. it's awesome. Right. Thank you so much, Patty, for sharing these awesome tips on tidying. We want to make sure we don't leave you without asking you what's sparking joy right now in your life. Um. Well, it's so funny. I listened to one of your interviews and a mom was like, my kid is not sparking joy for me. That's not the thing. Um, <laughs> and I just cracked up because it is, it is, I guess, a uh, kind of a default response for any parent to say, it's like, oh, my family. Um, but my family really does, I mean, spark the most joy in my life, but I'll be a little bit more, a little bit more specific, I guess. Um, sure. One of the uh, research shows that you know, to get the most happiness out of an experience, there's the anticipation, the experience, and then the review. And so I think as parents, we, we want to surprise our kids all the time, but I've really enjoyed letting my daughter in on the anticipation and planning stage. So we're like, you know, gearing up for Halloween. And so we're just having the best time like anticipating the whole costume. So we go to Goodwill, we go to thrift stores. I'm going to be Lady Glitter Sparkles from (laughs) Trolls. Um, And my husband is going to be the little prince, the Bergen prince. And my my daughter is going to be Poppy, the the troll. And we are just, I have a pink jumpsuit that I got from the consignment store and a rainbow wig. And uh, we're just having the best time um, scrolling Pinterest and getting ideas. So when that's over, we'll find our next thing to like obsess about, um, and, and get excited about anticipating. So she's, she's, uh, six. So it's really fun. She's super engaged in this process. (laughs) That's so cute. That's really great. So what final words of wisdom would you like to share with our listeners today? Final words of wisdom. That's that's a big one. Um, well, I would encourage everyone to think about, um, you know, when they're doing work to, you know, self-improvement work to not do it alone and to find your tribe, um, that can be there to support you. And so that's very likely not going to be your best friend's probably not going to be your family because those folks are invested in the role you play in their lives. And so personal growth um, can be threatening to some degree, which is why I think Kanmari recommends going through the tidying process um, solo mm-hmm. um, so that, you know, you're doing it on your terms, but to, to do anything that requires effort, you know, a group can help a lot. Um, you know, hiring a consultant helps with the tidying process. But in terms of any area um, outside of tidying, just finding a group that's that's rooting for you. Uh, obviously, I highly recommend forming or joining a Ben Franklin circle to achieve that objective. But it, it doesn't have to be, you know, that format if that's not joy sparking to you. But find your group um, that you can be you with um, and and safely change within. Um, and that's, that's what I would recommend. Don't go it alone. 
That is great advice, Patty. Thank you so much for joining us here at Spark Joy. It was great having you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. To connect with Patty, you can find her via pattymorrissey.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Patty Morrissey. For more information on Ben Franklin Circles, visit benfranklincircles.org. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. You can also join the discussion on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at sparkjoypodcast. Thanks for tuning in and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with KonMari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of KonMari Media Incorporated or the KonMari Consultant Community.